let me introduce you to your next favorite true crime podcast, Crime Salad. Ashley and Ricky, a husband and wife team, go beyond telling crime stories. They dive into the darkest corners of human nature with the ultimate goal of preventing future tragedies. Together, they shine a relentless spotlight on critical issues like relationship violence and domestic abuse, inviting you to explore the complexities of these societal challenges. Now, let us set the scene for a recent Crime Salad episode, which is titled The Search for Haley Cummings. The disappearance of a five-year-old girl leaves the Florida community in disbelief. In the early morning hours of the night, an open back door remained eerily left open where Haley was staying. A wave of dread swept through the community and the family as the unimaginable happened. Was this the work of a kidnapper, or did the little girl wander off? The search for Haley brought a community together in the darkest of times. Since 2019, Ashley and Ricky, the crime salad duo, have continued to deliver stories that are not only fascinating and well-researched, but also have a strong voice for change and justice. So grab your headphones and prepare to be pulled into a world where mystery meets humanity. Make sure to tune in to Crime Salad wherever you find your podcasts and join a growing community of listeners who tune in every week. And now back to your regularly scheduled haunting. Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back, guys. Episode 104, H.H. Holmes Part 1 was last week. Now we're doing episode 105, H.H. Holmes Part 2 this week. Next week, you know what that means. It's a listener story episode. Hell to the fuck yeah. We don't have sponsors. We can say, let's get this mother crock. Look, why can't we do it? There's no sponsors on this episode. We don't have to worry about copyright, or do we? Someone out there who's an attorney, send us an email. Let's get hauntedpod at (laughs) gmail.com and tell us all the ways we can be sued so that we can avoid them. Hell yes. And if you would like to make a donation to this podcast, there are several ways to do it. First and foremost, you can go to our website, letsgethaunted.com, where you can either buy some merch to support the show, or you can also make a haunted donation of 420 to support the show. Also, just want to say we have less than five haunted amulet pins I saw, so mm. get it because we're not going to be reproducing those once they're gone. No, and those are going to be worth a lot of money one day. Like we're talking one, two, three million dollars. Look, when society falls. <laughs> And Armageddon happens. And the angels come down, a.k.a. the aliens. Mm -hmm. If you give them that haunted amulet, they might transport you to a better dimension instead of making you build them a pyramid. So just saying, this is your sign. If you've been waiting for a sign to go to our website and buy some merch, this is the sign. If you don't want merch or you want an alternative way to donate... You can go to our Kofi account, which will be linked in the show notes down below. It's ko-fi.com slash dogmomusa. Or you can Venmo either of us 
at DogMomUSA or at NatStron, or you can PayPal Natalia at paypal.me forward slash NatStron. Is that, that correct? That is absolutely correct. Beautiful. Look, there's so many options. There are so many options. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. And if you're a new listener and you don't give a fuck about any of this, you're valid. If you look in the show notes, just go to the first sentence where it says skip to this time to get to the story. Go ahead and skip there. Skip to it. Otherwise, Alyssa and I are going to just have a little chat here. We're going to talk about some bullshit. And if you don't want to hear some bullshit, just skip to whatever it is. Could be 10 minutes, 14 minutes, 15 minutes, or it could not be there if we forgot. But <laughs> Alyssa, you told me this weekend you went camping for five days through the I desert. Did. So Alyssa sent me some photos and they were like, you guys they're crazy they're cra- they? they do look crazy it looks like a pinterest like picture that would be like sponsored or something she's like in this crazy sandstorm what do you call those things sandstone i don't sandstorm know sandstorm is the thing that's like that's i basically went to okay imagine the grand canyon right yeah. that's in arizona but the canyons don't don't stop at the grand canyon they continue on just on a little bit smaller of a scale and that's right. where i was so i was camping in antelope canyon well first of all i was staying on the navajo reservation in an airbnb which was really cool it had no electricity or running water or anything but at night it's so dark and so quiet that you can see every single star you can see all the the airplanes flying by you can see the milky way orion's belt and for some of you who live in the country you might be unfazed by this but we're in la and in la there's too much there's too much light pollution here to see anything so that was really cool for me and then it's so fucking quiet that i realized i have tinnitus because all i could hear was my own ringing in my ears yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, it was so quiet. But anyway, so I did like a kayak trip through Antelope Canyon. So from Lake Powell through Antelope Canyon is a 11-mile kayak. Wow. And then did a two-mile hike through the canyon one day. The next day, I did a mile hike through Upper Antelope. And then I did we did some touristy stuff like Horseshoe Bend, which if you guys are from Page, Arizona or around that area, you know that like that's like a baby hike. It's like mm-hmm. people literally with babies are doing that hike. But it was still cool. You get to see like this giant, the Colorado River is super impressive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Went and saw the dam. Um, I think it's called Glen Canyon Dam or something like that. But yeah, it was really fucking cool. But my phone's a piece of shit. And it's really old and it was just dead basically the entire time. So I would like go to a Denny's and plug my phone in and it would get like 6% charge before leaving because it's such a piece of crap. And then I would like get a bunch of text messages and then I'd try to respond and try to send a photo and then it would die again. So yeah, that's like what it was like when I was really broken with travel through Europe and just couldn't afford to stay anywhere that wasn't a hostel. And then you would like go to a McDonald's, plug your phone in and try to connect to the Wi-Fi so you could update your Instagram and be like, I'm in Berlin. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) At a McDonald's. Yeah, I know. I I came out of Instagram (laughs) retirement to post some photos of the canyons because you're right. It looks like a fucking alien landscape. It looks like Mars. I mean, you seem super grounded and super refreshed but I just have to ask because I've known you for a long time (laughs) and when I think of Alyssa and I think of kayaking I can think of specific examples where you were a fail at kayaking and so I'm just wondering was this trip like did this break your spirit or did you train for this or like what's the what's how did this happen because you're speaking of what I would describe as a nightmare for Alyssa (laughs) 
where your phone doesn't work, you're in the dusty heat, you're going on several hikes, you're charging your phone at a Denny's. Yeah. And there's no reception. There's no shower. Yeah. yeah. You can't hear anything except for your tinnitus. Yeah. But you sound like it was like refreshing. And you even sent me a picture where you were doing like a little, like a heel, like a jig. Yes. Whatever that was. Oh, I was so excited. In your heels. So did did it like change you? Like what's happened? Well, I think there are two ways to look at it. Uh, (laughs) Now, did I successfully kayak all 11 miles without stopping? No, (laughs) no. And in fact, I was in a double kayak. So I had someone behind me that was picking up the slack when I could not continue. But I was proud of myself for doing like I did a 2.5 mile hike one day and then I did a two mile hike and then I did a one and a half mile hike and then I did a three mile hike. So I feel like I got a lot of good exercise and I actually feel pretty good. Good. Yeah, feel pretty good. But I think why I feel pretty good is because of something I'm not going to share yet because we might share it on our Patreon account. Yeah. Natalia and I have been thinking, are we going to share some like crazy personal hauntings? It should be like an OnlyFans where it's like we like put like a fucked up title where it's like, oh, you know, my first abortion story. (laughs) And then you have to pay like money to hear it you know but it'll be really good and we'll have like different things there and it's like behind the paywall but I want to hear about this very messy situation that's a personal haunting what if what if I was like I feel great because I had my first abortion and that's and I was able to hike you should do it too this is a joke basically the patreon I think is going to be significantly more fucked up than the personal hauntings that we would share that are not being paid for because my philosophy behind it is like if someone's paying for it they're rooting for us. Like, right. They're they, not going right, to like be tearing us down. Yeah. And also, just for legal reasons, I'm going to say it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just content. Someone acting. It's a character. The right. stories aren't true, even though they're 100% true. <laughs> so, for example, let's give them a little taste. Natalia, what would your first personal haunting for the Patreon be? Just come up with a, a title, like a like a clickbait title. Uh I gave birth on my living room floor. That's beautiful. (laughs) I would pay so much money to hear that story. Yeah, so maybe that could be one of them or just fucked up shit. So we'll we'll come up with some stuff that you guys will want to hear. But yeah, so maybe we'll put the link to that in the show notes here. Yes, I think that that's why I was able to do so much physical activity is because of a personal haunting I'm going to share on the Patreon at some point. So you guys stay tuned and figure out what fucked up personal haunting shit Nat and I are getting into this year. Yeah, I have no idea what it could possibly be. I'm interested. I want to feel good. I want to go from literally stalling every athletic kayak adventure I've ever been on to suddenly leading the pack across the desert. Yes, right? I know. So I think my Patreon title would be Allie Undergoes Human Experimentation. Right. Whoa. Now you guys fill in the gaps. What do you think that means? Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Wow. That could be so so many things. So I went on the Twitter the other day when I was like very excited. It was the beginning of my day. My Adderall had just kicked in. The coffee <laughs> had kicked in at the same time. And I just really beautiful felt connected to the universe, you know, in a way where I wanted to express and create and make more opportunity. So I went on to <laughs> the Twitter and I was like, if this comment gets uh, 69 likes, Allie and I will do a vlog on 420 
which I did not confirm either one of those <laughs> with you. And then I logged back into Twitter recently and saw that comment had gotten 69 likes. And I was like, you know what? No one's going to notice. It's fine. <laughs> and then someone quoted that and was like, hey, this got 69 likes. Like, what are you guys going to do about it? And I haven't responded to them because I'm scared. But um, I just wanted to tell you that. Uh, it might not be on 420, but it is coming. We are going to have a vlog of our office showing what everything looks like. You guys are fucking awesome and bought everything on our Amazon mm -hmm. wish list, which we are super pumped about. Um, we're slowly getting things put together, but we figure once everything's kind of set up, we'll take you guys on an office tour right. and like you can maybe look at. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do office tour. Like it's going to be there. Everything's great. Right. And then afterwards, we're going to have a bowl. So when you picture like a haunted bowl and in that bowl is going to be a bunch of pieces of paper. And on each one of those pieces of paper is going to be a suggestion or Ooh. a dare, perhaps a truth or dare situation. Oh, that's that the fun. listeners can write into us. That's a great and then idea. We'll close our eyes, pull one out. And if it's a dare, you know, like maybe we have to go play Buddy Mary in the bathroom. Maybe we have to like call our ex. I don't know what it oh, is, God. but we'll do it. I think if I called an ex whose number I still have, I would just get a restraining order slapped no, on me. We'd, no, we'd have to use a different, like we'd call, I can't call my like, ex through your phone. Oh, right. Okay. Got it. Got it. And well, they wouldn't pick up, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like, what if they did? Well, Steve would pick up. We could call, we can call my most oh, recent ex and he would pick up. He'd be like, hey, what's up? Yeah, he'd be like, hey, oh, you guys need anything? Cool. Like the coolest ex ever. Right. But if we called like my college exes or like my right after college exes, oh. I think it would be too messy. But I don't know. Right. Maybe for Patreon, anything is possible. Right. Well, you guys won't know until you see the vlog. That's that may right. may not happen. And it may or may not be on Patreon or it might just be on our YouTube channel. But for Patreon, for sure, we're thinking maybe do some uh, personal hauntings. This is part two. Yeah. <laughs> We left off with H.H. Holmes having moved to Chicago with Murda Belknap. Everyone agreed that people slept on Murda. Murda was not plain. Also, even if she was plain, how was that an insult? He's in Chicago. He's building this building, this abomination that's going to come to be known as the Murder Castle. And in this murder castle, there's tons of rooms. It's a maze of asphyxiation chambers, random hallways, laboratories, trap doors, rooms that you don't even know how to get into them or how to lead them. And I mean, it's like you, you go down a hallway and then the hallway is just a circle and goes back to where it began from. Nothing in this building makes sense. It's just very, very haunted architecture, bad feng shui. And then in the bottom of this castle in the basement, there's just a giant laboratory that has bodies strewn about, cremated remains strewn about. It sounds very disorienting. It sounds like if you were to step into the this building, you would just immediately be lost mm -hmm. and fall into some pit right. of, ex of experimentation and just never be able to claw your way out. So the scam that he had been running up until this point was basically, even though he was married to murder at the time, he would run these ads in the paper and be like, I'm a rich man who's looking for a wife. Sometimes it would be, you know, oh, I'm a rich business owner who's looking for a secretary. I need a typewriter girl, whatever, click, click. 
person. I don't yeah, know what yeah. they were called. That was, yeah, job title. <laughs> Click clack girl. So these girls would come in to Chicago. At this time, Chicago was a boom city, meaning that there was tons of jobs, tons of opportunities there. There were tons of buildings being created. And these young, beautiful women would flock in from, you know, farming towns, places that are around Chicago. Like if you go outside of the city of Chicago, you're like in Cornville. Right. <laughs> you know? And they would come in and they were just kind of naive and didn't really know any better. Right. And Could have been someone who had previously been the mule queen of right. <laughs> a town outside of Chicago. Could have been right. someone who lived in the asylum located at Lake Geneva right. outside of Chicago. You just don't know. It was probably a mixed bag of people answering these ads. Exactly. But they were all hot is what I get. Like, uh, I think yeah. you only got the job if you were hot. That makes sense. So I don't know how they got that. Like, would he just listen to their voice on the phone and be like, "Mm, sounds hot. I don't know. Or do you have to send in a picture? I feel like they probably had to send in pictures because even before the internet, so like the 80s or something, you know, like people used to run personal ads in newspapers in towns being like, hey, I'm a single 50 year old man. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife recently passed looking to meet someone ages 40 through 55, like hit me up at this number. Like people used to do stuff like that because there was no tender. Right. So you either there was no internet. That was the way you communicated with people on a mass scale was through like a magazine or through a newspaper. People used to run engagement announcements through the newspaper, like marriage announcements through the newspaper, stuff like that. So, I mean, it makes sense to me that you know, people probably called. Yeah. And he probably just like chatted them up and figured out if he could scam them or not mm-hmm. over the phone and then was like, cool, let's meet in person and let me murder you. So once he would get these girls to come there and be his secretary, one of his like policies to work for him in the building is everyone had to have a life insurance policy. Sketch. Right. He was really big on. Sketch. I know. I know. Wouldn't that like sound off bells in your ears? But honestly, I took so many sketch things when I was just young and like looking for opportunities. You know, if a landlord was like, you have to pay four months up front and like you can't park your car here, I would just be like, oh, I get to have an apartment. Yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I could totally see that happening. So they get these life insurance policies and then these women mysteriously start to go missing. So he would say like, you have to get this policy and you have to put me as the beneficiary. Yeah. Because that's the only way for him to get the money. Or he would just pose as someone who's the beneficiary. But I think he had to be the beneficiary. Okay. Yeah, he that's be super sketch. Your boss is like, make me the beneficiary of your life insurance policy. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? That's super weird. Well, but maybe it would make sense to you if you were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because like he has the money, so he would like pay out. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I do know that there are some like big companies in the U.S. where if you're like pretty high up in their company, um, they will take out life insurance policies on you just for in, in case you die. Right, and they, they have and to replace they you. They have to replace you and it costs money to interview people, fly people out. That's for right. like super high up positions though. Like CEO of the of, Illuminati. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holmes begins to have an affair with this woman who's named Julia Smith Connor. He's having an affair with this woman in the same building that he's literally living with his wife. Julie is also having an affair because she's the wife of someone who's working in the castle that's named Alex Connor. It's a fucking love re- square. square. Well, it's a love triangle because her husband isn't 
fucking anyone, right? Okay, so no. It's two triangles that are overlapping. Holmes is fucking his wife and Julia Smith Connor. Alex Connor is fucking Julia Smith Connor, his wife. But he's not fucking Holmes, I don't think. Maybe it was like a swingers situation. Right. We don't know. Yeah. Who's to say? Right. We're not going to kink shame. No, of course not. This guy, Alex, whose wife is cheating on him with Holmes, is working in the castle as a bookkeeper at the pharmacy's jewelry counter. That would really suck, though, especially in olden times, because you're like, okay, at, like nobody likes to work. Right. You know, so he's like, okay, I found this job. It's not that bad. Like, mm -hmm. oh, they're employing me and my wife. Right. I don't want to rock the boat. Because even if he knew that she was bucking their boss, like, what do you do at that point? Right. Do you tell him, hey, I quit? Okay, cool. And then what happens? Then your boss also fires your wife, and now your family is destitute and has no employment? Well, to make this even messier, Alex and Julia had a baby. They had a daughter and her name was Pearl. After Connor finds out that Julia is having sex with her boss, he just quits his job and oh, wow. uh, moves away conveniently. Does he divorce her or does he just move away? They say most likely he was murdered. He just happened to quit his job and move away. And remember how Holmes is always like, oh yeah, like they just moved back home. They didn't go missing. They just moved back. Oh, my God. So now we have Julia and Pearl who are still in the hotel. Julia continues having this relationship with Holmes. Around Christmas in 1891, both Julia and Pearl disappear. These are what people assume are his first known murders. Everything before this has been speculation. All of the evidence seems to point to Holmes having murdered these people, but we don't have anything other than just speculation, names and dates, and weird instances. That's fucked up. Go ahead. Holmes claims that Julia died during an abortion. He was giving her an abortion and she died during it. He's a doctor. How do we know if he botched the abortion on purpose? Like, right. We don't. How has nobody caught on to this person yet? There's been so many sketch things that have happened. So many women have gone missing. People can't hold a job at this place. The whole fucking castle is literally built on lies. He's getting sued left and right by he contractors. Owes everyone people. money. Yes, exactly. Changing his name. He's like not even like legally divorced from his first wife. So like how are people just like it's fine? I'm asking, how, how are people just like, it's fine? There were actually instances where people should have been like, oh, it's not fine, but they were charmed by him. Here's a few instances that are such fucking red flags. I want you to just listen to these and think for one second if you were working in this castle, if this would strike you as something odd. There was one time one of Holmes's workers stepped into a safe that was in the castle. He okay. had very large safes to store goods in. After they step into the safe, 
they hear the door close behind oh, no. them. This is my nightmare. It's completely dark inside a safe. No. They're standing in there. And they know that Holmes just closed the door on them. The workers start screaming for their life. Fuck. Screaming. It's dark, pounding on the walls of the safe. Really thinking that this might be the end. Time has passed. It's been about three minutes in there. And of course, when you're in the dark in a safe, three minutes might feel like 30 minutes. Suddenly, they see a light peek through. The door opens and Holmes is standing there looking at them. Why did you lock me in there? Why were you playing a, a prank? Couldn't you hear me yelling? Holmes says, I was testing to see if the safe was soundproof. Sir, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Why do you need a soundproof safe? What are you going to be putting in the safe that needs to be soundproof? I'm just imagining being HR for his building. Workers are just coming up to you like, hey, so he locked me in a safe. Hey, so I'm right. pretty sure he like murdered someone. Oh, he like comes into you. He's like, hey, so I impregnated my secretary and then gave her an abortion and she died. Like you deal with the paperwork. I'm just like imagining <laughs> that situation. Right. Like now we've got a workers comp because I like murdered someone. Like, can you please report that to our insurance carrier? Such a messy, messy job. That's just so fucking weird to me. Like, how would that not raise alarm bells? After all these things start coming to light, people start asking questions. Hey, was there anything that, you know, made you think that perhaps, like, this guy's fucking weird? People start coming forward and saying things. One of the maids says that she recalled a particular night. She was cleaning she heard something she thought it was like some sort of scuffling went around a corner trying to figure out if it was a rat or it was an animal or something she sees Holmes in what she describes as tiptoeing no around the corner in the dark no that is terrifying. That man with like a crazy walrus mustache and a tiny <laughs> bowler hat, probably carrying some sort of instruments of torture, maybe carrying a fetus in a jar, Ugh. just like tiptoeing around in the dark. A moonbeam catches his face and right. like glints off of the jar's glass. And you, the maid, are just like, well, turning right around, not approaching this. Yeah, I mean, that's just so creepy because if he wasn't up to something weird, why would he be tiptoeing around? I mean, I guess you could say, oh, it's the middle of the night. He's trying not to wake the other people. But like, no. But also, he's an asshole and he's the <laughs> boss. So he like, locked someone in a safe and yeah. like, listened to them scream. So like, I don't think he gives a fuck about About tiptoeing. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what would sketch me out the most. Like this guy who's a known asshole. Yeah. Who like, we're all pretty sure has murdered some of our co-workers is now tiptoeing right. around his building when he has no regard for anyone besides himself I'd be that's scarier than him like barreling through a door and like <laughs> smashing you over the head with something this is the scariest one 
there was a janitor working in the pharmacy. Okay. He recounted a time where Holmes pulled him aside and said, hey, I want to show you something really interesting. I want to show you something really cool. Holmes opens up a closet. The janitor looks inside and sees what he describes as a bunch of different fake beards what and disguises different hats different mustaches different fake sideburns yes he remembered thinking like "Hmm, that's really odd did he like give an explanation or was he just like, hey, janitor, come look at my collection? I think he was just bragging, you know, in the same way that you would be like, oh, look how cool this is. Like, yeah, I have look all these funny jewelry. masks or yeah. like, look at all these costumes I have. And it didn't really seem that creepy at the time. Hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess. So what would he I'm just like imagining him like dressing up as a clown and then like tiptoeing through the, the building and like everyone's like, is that our boss? I think that might be our boss. Oh, my God. You know what would be so terrible? terrifying to me imagine you're like one-on-one having a conversation with someone and it's like after hours say it's we're at the office we're at right now you see someone get into the elevator with you and you know it's dark and you're both going down to the lobby to walk back to your car and as you're looking at them and they're just sort of having small talk with them you realize that they're, they're wearing, wearing a disguise, disguise. <laughs> natalia no that gave me the ch- I, I don't know, like that goodness. you just slowly come to the realization that they're wearing a straight up like fake face a fake beard fake glasses oh my god i'm like literally getting tears in no, my eyes no like imagine you're look you look into their eyes I don't even and realize know they do. have contacts in oh my god, and at I first would, you're like oh they have like colored contacts that's interesting and then you're like Oh, wait, their glasses don't even have lenses in them. Oh, my God. And then you're like, maybe they're a hipster. And then you see their sideburns are, like, peeling, peeling off. off. And they have a goatee that... Okay, no. wait, side story. Can I guys... Here's a side story. I yeah, yeah, tell me. I recently was in Vegas for a wedding. It was late. It was late at night. There had been some casual partying going on. So I was feeling loose. You yeah, know? yeah. And I get into the elevator and we're on a really high floor. As I get in the elevator, I see this man. He's just kind of like crouched in the corner and he has his like head looking down at his phone. And he just kind of looks like he's been really, really partying. Like, you know, you see someone who's like folded in a way that their body like shouldn't fold. Right. He looks fucked up basically is the point that I'm getting at. I walk in to the elevator and I see him. Oh, like they're here. here's another person in the elevator. Like we're in Vegas. It's nighttime. Like, oh, I forget what it's like to be around people who are partying. Like this is kind of fun. And I turn to go press the button that we need to go to down to the lobby. And I notice that every single button is lit up. No. The doors are starting to close. I start immediately thinking like, oh my God, this person's going to rob us or he's going to kill us. He's pressed all of the buttons on here to stall time so that it goes to like every floor. I don't know. The bells just went off in my head and I like put one foot out to break open the doors. Cody, we have to get out of this elevator. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, we have to get out. Like, I didn't want to say it in front of the guy because I was like, is he going to kill us right now? Right. Like we're on to him and he's just going to. Yeah. Cody's just like looking at me and I was like, get off of the elevator. Someone pushed all of these buttons. 
And then the guy, that guy that's like fucked up, starts laughing. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Dude, fuck that guy. And Cody's like, all of the buttons are lit up because that's just how they are. And then he presses one <laughs> to show that when you push it, it lights a different color. Oh. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I get back in the elevator. It's a long way down. It's like 60 floors down. I look over at the guy and he looks at me and I'm like, I'm sorry. I've just been through a lot in my life. And he's like, nope, it's fine. You know, I totally understand. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, we live in LA. There's been like a lot of like crazy robberies happening lately. And I'm just like, I'm on edge. And like, I thought that you pressed all these buttons. Because you're sorry. a psychopath. Yeah. Possibly wearing a fake beard. And yeah. I just read the story about a guy that murdered a bunch of people. So. But the guy was really cool. He was like, no, you know, I can't even like imagine what it's like to be a woman living in this world. Oh, like, I get hey, it. good for him that's how fucking on edge i am none of the shit that was happening with hh holmes would have ever gotten past me we're so on edge that like we would be out at the first red flag Mm -hmm. like i would be like oh you lied to me about how late you were working and it was by like three minutes guess what sorry red flag what were you doing for those three minutes bye holmes decides at this time now that he's gonna sell his drugstore He has just had this instance where one of his workers has died from a botched abortion. And he's like, you know what? I need to focus more on my murder castle. Right. Holmes sells his drugstore to focus on his murder castle. Glad he got his priorities straightened out. He's like, you know, I like being a pharmacist, but my real passion is killing. So this new person who buys the drugstore is like super excited because it's like this bustling business. You know, mm-hmm. there's always people coming in and out of here and it's like funding this huge castle. And it, this guy is a scammer. He like drives a nice car. He's married to this rich woman. Like, oh, I'm like buying this business from him. Everything's going to be good. And then the new owner finds out that all of the inventory that's on the floor was just stolen. It hadn't been paid for. And so he comes over to Holmes to back out of the sale and he's like, hey, I didn't know that all of the inventory in here wasn't paid for. And right. that like me buying the store is basically like assuming all of your debt. Yeah, that like would definitely affect the price. And then the man collapses outside of the drugstore no. on his way out. No, And people don't exactly know what happened, but Holmes was the first person by his side. And people said that he was aiding him because he was a doctor and they saw him pouring black liquid down his throat. What the fuck? And that man died that day. I think we said this last episode, but it just seems like it was so easy to get away with murder. I think, too, just because he's attractive, like he had pretty privilege or whatever it's called. And he was a doctor and he was married to this like the socialite, like he was a scammer. We tend to think of certain people as being of a certain moral compass. You wouldn't think that a politician or something like that would, you know, be fucked up. But usually those are the most fucked up people. Those are the most fucked up people. Right? Yeah. He just was getting away with everything by being like oh yeah i'm a you know rich bowler hat walrus man (laughs) people are willing to make moral exceptions if they like the person right if the person's charming misunderstanding yeah or he oh you know he's so charming but if you think of someone who's less charming if they were to do that same thing people would not be forgiving right yeah i mean it is interesting like think of all the fuck boys i got played by when i was like a young tot 
was always because I was like, no, 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 no. No, they mean well. Right. Like they, they just are, they have a study partner that like sleeps over at their house sometimes. It's normal. Studying so hard. He's such a hard worker. <laughs> he's so smart. He's going places. Yeah. No, he's just such a gentleman that he didn't want her to drive home at like such a late hour. That's literally one of the excuses <laughs> yeah. that I heard. And I was like, wow, that's really kind. Yeah. That's so cool that you like offered her your bed and you slept on the couch, apparently, according to your story. <laughs> oh yeah yeah to be that young again and naive right then holmes decides to install what is called a huge furnace in the basement of the murder castle people see him literally bringing in like a giant furnace into the castle and he's like oh actually you know i'm doing this new glass blowing and bending company and it's like my new adventure and so um i'm gonna you know put this furnace down in the Hmm. basement and work on that okay but here's the weird thing is people always saw him going down to the basement for long hours you know and like having this like furnace going and they're seeing the smoke billowing out of the chimneys and stuff like that but nobody ever saw any glass being bent they nobody ever saw any products that came out of here even though he always said that he was going to bend glass okay sounds like he's cremating bodies right getting rid of the evidence maybe the some of the people who disappeared maybe he was storing down there and then he got his furnace going and mm-hmm. was like perfect that's a great hypothesis According to legendsofamerica.com, quote, in early 1893, a one-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago and Holmes offered her a job at the hotel as his personal secretary. Williams owned some property in Fort Worth, Texas that Holmes convinced her to sign over to him. In May of 1893, Holmes and Williams, presenting themselves as man and wife, rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister, Nanny, came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she planned to accompany Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Nanny were ever seen alive again after July 5, 1893. Wait, is Brother Harry H.H.? What I think happened probably is he, you know, meets this young girl, a secretary, gets her to fall in love with him or whatever. And then he's like, we're getting married probably. And then they go to Texas and they're, um, he's like, let's sign over the lease to my name. Right. You know, because we're going to get married now. So you need to put yeah, it Yeah, you in can my trust name. me. I love you or yeah. whatever. Then her sister probably comes down because she's like, oh, you, you met some guy that you're like in love with and he's like rich doctor and successful. Yeah. And like, you're going to have babies and like, this is amazing. Like, I want to come meet him and so the sister went down there to go see them and in the meantime she like writes to someone in her family and says like oh i'm gonna go with brother harry to europe right and then just disappears or alternatively perhaps holmes wrote that letter pretending to be her oh, saying that shit. she's going to europe with some guy named harry i didn't even think of that I know. That's what I'm saying is like, we don't know what the fuck is going on. It was, why was it such a free for all back in olden times? I kind of wish I could go back though. Just like be a fly on the wall and see what was going on. No, because I think like just a scam would be nice. Not like kill people, (laughs) but like to go to a new town and, you know, like. Put it on my tab and then you just leave town with a bunch of free shit. More, no, I was thinking more like show up and be like, yeah, I'm like really famous person in India, but like I just moved here to the United States 
date. I'm like an Indian princess there. It's really special and you guys should treat me special. Here. I feel like you're describing the plot though of like every single 90 day fiance where it's like right. an older woman living in the US who meets some guy abroad and he's like, I am the Duke of Right. Urbanshire, like something you've <laughs> never heard of before, yeah. or like I, my family is involved in the diamond. But I just finished watching the Tender Swindler, so like yes. I'm, I'm in my family's involved in the diamond business. And then these women who are gullible like fall for it, and that's what the plot of every ninety day fiance is, and what the plot of most of the true crime Netflix documentaries are right now. I'm currently watching The Bad Vegan, so don't tell me how it ends if you've right. seen it. Yeah, I think that. It's really sad what a motivator love is. Like people are so lonely and we want so desperately to be loved for whatever reason. Like I'm assuming a lot of these people who are going to these great lengths to feel love lacked that so much in their life that they were willing to do whatever it took to feel that, you know? And it's sad. Like It is sad. And it's also, but also these dudes, at least in these documentaries I'm watching, like, They're so manipulative. Like you see how you think to yourself, like, how could you ever trick? Like, how could you ever trick someone into sending you like 10 grand or something or in taking out a loan in their name to like send you 20 grand? Like, how could you ever trick someone into doing that? And then you watch some of these documentaries. It's such a slow sociopathic process of like manipulating that person until you finally get to that point. But you're right. Like these women are all just like desperate for love. They're so lonely and it's but heartbreaking yeah some of these documentaries I've been watching so they're on my mind so H.H. Holmes I feel like modern day H.H. Holmes would be a tender swindler right plus murder plus yeah Around this time, a bunch of young women are beginning to disappear more frequently from the hotel, and we don't exactly know how many of these people left or how many of them were murdered. There was one case of a woman named Emmeline Segrand who came to Chicago, and she, like all the others, became Holmes's personal typewriter. Emmeline and Holmes began an affair. Soon after the affair began, she disappeared. Holmes said that she had moved to Europe to get married because she really wanted to find a husband and that this was just a temporary job for her. People never saw her again. I feel like that is the way to like get people off your trail at least for a little while is to have some sort of evidence or story that they went to a different country because it's harder to search for people internationally and how easy would it be to just write a postcard to someone that's like hey i'm going to europe bye exactly yeah yeah it kind of reminds me of that one case we did about the christmas tree yeah right and one of the women who they thought could be the Jane Doe had like written a letter where she was like oh I'm going to Israel to meet my husband right like don't worry about me again 90 day fiance situation is my theory during the two years that Holmes had the castle he had hired more than 150 women to work as his stenographers most of those women were known to be his mistresses as well. 150 in how in how long? Two years. What the fuck? What is that? A woman every other week? Like how often Let's are you? Let's do the mur- math on that. Do that math. Okay, 52 weeks in a year, right? So that's 104 weeks. Divided by 150? So it's 0.69 women. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, that's 0.69 right. women a week are a new 69. 
of a woman is working for him every week. Here, how about this? We do 24 months. Uh, how many, how many women? 150? Yeah. So it's six women a month? Hold on. There's 730 <laughs> days. 730 days in two years. Yeah, it's a little over six women a month. Divided by 150 equals four point. What does this mean? I just divided that and I got 4.8, but I don't know what it means. I think it means six women a month are <laughs> Guys, he was fucking a lot of bitches. He was fucking okay? a lot of bitches. He was scamming a lot of bitches. I have no respect for this man. I also, I wonder what the sex was like. Like, because bad. it was so short, it makes me think that it was really fucking weird and bad. I think it was bad just because he's a sociopath. Right. People who have good sex don't murder and people, kill. Yeah, people who have good <laughs> sex, they're like, wow, I'm having great sex with this person. I'm also going to form an emotional bond with this person. You know, it's always the people who like suck at everything and don't care about the partner that have all of the partners, right? The reason that people know Holmes was like uh, sleeping with some of these women is because he photographed some of them. All of the women have a few traits in common. They were all very young. They were all very beautiful. And they were all unfamiliar to this city. It was all brand new to them. Wait, do you have pictures of these women? No. Okay. I can find some. Yeah. Should I look it up? Yeah. This story is so baffling to me because for some reason for my entire life, I thought H.H. Holmes was an urban legend. I didn't realize he was a real person. So now that I'm hearing all of this shit that people say he did, I'm just like, how is this man? How was he real? How are any men real? <laughs> Seriously, how are they real? The only man I recognize is John from Mariah and John, who donate to us all the time. And I also recognize Zeke Gons 89, who does some sick memes for us. That's Emmeline. Oh, but that's a drawing. I know, I can't find pictures. I think this sounds like somebody took all the photos. I don't know. Is like keeping them in a photo album. I mean, maybe it's just like against their consent because they're not there. And if they're naked yeah. photos. Yeah, but since when has history ever cared about like, like photos of the Black Dahlia are all over the Internet? Right. And was she like, I want everyone to see my mutilated no, genitals? No, exactly. So people like especially olden time murders, like nobody gave a fuck. Right. So in 1892, the World's Fair took place in Chicago. And this was the 400th anniversary of Columbus landing in America. So I don't understand why that's a big deal, but apparently it was. So they decided to go all out. They were like, 400 years ago, Columbus landed in America. So we're going to fucking rage. Right. I feel like that was the vibe, right? Like we're dying of syphilis. We're, our boss is murdering us. Let us just fucking have There's some shit. There's no OSHA. There are no right. like. Here's some pictures of Chicago for the World's Fair. It looks awesome, right? Yeah, it looks sick. Look at that big ass There's lake. a big fountain inside of With a lake. Swans and shit. This reminds me of like the Olympics, right? Where countries will spend so much taxpayer money on making their Olympic village super sick and mm-hmm. it like displaces people and it's a waste of money. Like, that's what this looks like to me. But also, I think the World's Fair brought in a lot of money to Chicago. So much money. So the ni- the 1893 Chicago's World's Fair was one of the most attended cultural events of that entire century. Let's get this mother crock! Millions of people came to Chicago to participate in this historic celebration because it was 400 years after Columbus landed in America. Wow, I guess that was a big deal. There were 
thousands of people who coincidentally went missing during the World's Fair. Oh, I believe that. Some of the papers that were written about these people who went missing suggest that perhaps these people were murdered, lost to whatever influx of thieves and criminals who were taking advantage of people who didn't know the lay of the land and other scammers, etc. It's impossible for us to know if some of those people were also targeted by homes. But what we do know is that Holmes advertised the castle as being a hotel for people to stay at. Oh, shit. It could be possible that a lot of those people who went missing had stayed at the castle, had found themselves in the furnace. Jesus. We have Chicago World's Fair. It's a big, crazy bunch of people coming in and out, uh, partying, crazy shit's happening. Columbus landed in America (laughs) 400 years ago. And around this time, Holmes says that he's going to build a third floor onto this hotel in order to get money from investors. And this is just all part of a scam because he's basically saying like, oh, I'm going to build this crazy floor hotel and everyone needs to invest in it because look how well I'm already doing. Look at this castle. Don't you want to be a part of this? Like, I have a fancy mustache. Don't you want to have a fancy mustache? I have lots of disguises. I have a lot of safes and I'm into glass blowing, allegedly. (laughs) Seems like a safe bet. Yes. He gets a bunch of investors excited about building this hotel. They all give him a bunch of money. There's not going to be a new hotel because his plan all along was to burn down the castle. Oh, shit. So he takes on all the money from investors and then it he's going to light his shit on fire and then he's going to collect insurance money probably. Yeah. August 13th of 1893, the castle goes up in flames. After the building goes up in flames, authorities go in to see what caused the fire. As they're searching through the building, they find a pile of bones, skeletal remains. Most of the bones were from animals, but some of the bones were human. They were so tiny that the police estimated they had belonged to children. One of these children was no more than six or seven years old. What? As authorities began searching a little more cautiously into the rest of the building, having been alerted to finding a child's skeleton, they descend into the basement. And what they find there shocks them, makes them realize that this man who owns this castle It's not the man that they thought he was. Authorities find a blood-soaked operating table. Oh my god! And next to this operating table, a woman's clothes, haphazardly dropped onto the floor in haste. They also find another surgical surface near the blood-soaked operating table. Alongside both of these operating tables was a crematory, a bunch of medical tools, a torture device that was so bizarre and unknown, authorities don't even know what to call it. 
and shelves of acids intended for disintegrating. So basically, he tried to burn down his entire castle and was successful in burning down part of it, but not all of it, it sounds like. So while they're like putting out the fire and then the police probably come and they're trying to figure out what started the fire. So they're like sifting through the ash, seeing if everyone made it out okay. And they end up going into his fucking torture chamber basement. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it was the basement was probably not burned down. And they just end up finding like fucking suspicious shit. Like he's just been running around like operating on women. I'm sure he's going to have an excuse, right? He's probably Mm going to be like, I was running an illegal abortion clinic. I wasn't murdering people. But like, come on, dude. You just have bloody women's clothes laying around your basement. Mm -hmm. No woman goes to get an abortion and then is like, let me take all of my clothes off and leave them here. Mm -hmm. You know, that just is not a thing. Yeah. I mean, that was his excuse. Really? Yeah. Well, I figured because you said earlier that Mm he said that he someone died while he was giving them an abortion but he doesn't wait to find out that's the thing is like shit like the walls start crumbling down around him and he gets the fuck out like he did the same thing when he was in new york like a little boy went missing and he just got on a train and went to a new town went to a new town someone else died at the pharmacy that he was working at he was like oh it wasn't me and skipped town like he doesn't stay long enough to let anybody even take him in right you know so like by the time that police can come to arrest him he's already gone right he's already wearing a clown disguise (laughs) and has hopped on a train as a stowaway and is now like in montana right exactly in this situation after he leaves chicago when the building goes ablaze he goes to denver and now he's on the run because he knows that there have plausible cause to arrest him for murder because they found a bunch of sketch ass shit in his in his fucking murder castle barrels of acid you said yes yeah disintegrating acid there's no way that that's for scientific purposes so he goes to denver and then he goes to fort worth and then he goes to st louis and then he goes to philadelphia while he's traveling as quickly as he can trying to throw everyone off of his trail he marries a 23 year old who has a two thousand dollar inheritance As he's running around with this girl, like Bonnie and Clyde situation, he meets another scammer, his friend, whose name is Benjamin. Benjamin, I think, is um, an unfortunate man. (laughs) He got thrown in jail for writing bad checks. And while he was in jail, Holmes begins paying premiums on Benjamin's life insurance. Oh, okay, okay. Big yikes there. Yeah. Benjamin and Holmes had this deal where Holmes was like, okay, I'm going to pay, you know, your life insurance premiums and we're going to fake your death and then we're going to cash in on this life insurance, you know? It's all going to work out, right? Yeah. We're in on it together. In exchange, he's going to, like, bail him out of jail, essentially. So Benjamin is like, oh, hell yeah, cool. I'm going to Win-win. Yeah, win-win, right? Like, I'm being taken care of by this man and his 23-year-old wife and his (laughs) mustache. Benjamin and Holmes then go and they buy a vacant lot in Fort Worth, Texas, and they build a castle exactly like the one that they built in Chicago already. It's like a perfect replica, but they never even opened for business. The whole point of building it was just to take out mortgages on the building. 
Okay. And then they disappear without paying off any of the debts. Oh, this is like a very interesting, like multi-level marketing scheme, where as long as you keep on building and then running away, nothing can ever go wrong. It's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Basically. Afterwards, they move to St. Louis, where Holmes buys another drugstore, and he does the thing with the promissory notes, which we talked about in the last episode. Promissory note is essentially an IOU, yeah, right? Where like a check is like, this is like representative of $25. Here's a piece of paper. This check says that like, I have $25 in my account, and they're going to take it out. Like it's like a coupon, right? Where a promissory note is not even that. It's just like, This says that at one point, it's a contract, basically, like, I'm going to pay you $25. So they buy this drugstore with promissory notes, and they put $50 down. Back then, $50 down was, like, a pretty good investment. So people are like, oh, well, if they can afford to put $50 down, we really want that $50, so we'll say yes, and they can pay off the rest of promissory notes. Like, who cares? Yeah. But what ends up happening is they do that scam that I told you about where... They go to someone else and they're like, hey, I really want to buy this pharmacy, but someone else is buying it. If you give me the money to buy it so I can outbid that person, then I'll make you the main supplier of drugs at my new pharmacy. Right. And so then that place is like, oh, yeah, we'll do that here. Here's the money you need to buy it. And then they just skip town and take all the money. Okay, wait, but was he scamming Big Pharma? Is that what you're telling me? I don't think there was Big Pharma at this point because there wasn't. So Big Pharma is like a giant corporate corporation right like Adderall or something that like produces shit and like sells it all over the country where I think drugstores back then were like maybe there was Bayer like aspirin right Uh but like I feel like like chemists just made that shit up in their like little meth labs Mm, because if he was scamming big pharma I might be going to his side if it weren't for all of the murder (laughs) like you take the murder out of the equation if he's just running up to like big drug companies being like hey right give me your money and i'll only buy your brand of aspirin like right. like i could fuck I with know. that i can fuck with that yeah. yeah to be honest i don't really know um that's okay neither do i anything <laughs> <laughs> someone who's an expert in victorian era pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. tell us if big pharma was a thing well okay so Everything that I've ever read about this time period has basically said that pharmaceutical shit was like not legit at all. Well, yeah, it was like, here's some cocaine. Yeah, it's like you have a stomach ache. Here's some cyanide. Right. Right. (laughs) Oh, your wife is pissing you off. Here's a dildo. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And write her a prescription for for a a dildo. dildo. I know that dentists at this time didn't exist. So you would like go to a barber to get a tooth removed. And it was like really horrible because they like didn't have um, the same technology. So they would like literally just like hammer out a tooth if it hurt you or something it was fucked up this drugstore scam ends up being the last drugstore scam what happens is the rep goes over to check on the business sees that the whole thing is empty realize that they've been scammed and they call the police finally yeah exactly and the police finally find Holmes. they arrest him and he goes to jail he spends three nights in jail while Holmes is in jail, he, of course, scams someone else. He concocts this idea for an insurance scam with one of his cellmates who's named Marion Hedgepeth. 
Now remember Marion because he's going to come into play later on in this episode. Okay. Holmes tells Marion that he's going to take out an insurance policy for $10,000 and fake his own death and then give Hedgepeth $500 in exchange for a lawyer who will help him if any problems arise from this like situation. Okay. Holmes gets released from jail on bail and he attempts to do this plan, but the insurance company is suspicious and they don't pay him because now he's been to jail for scamming. Right. So that plan didn't work with Mariam. So now Holmes decides to get hooked back up with his friend Benjamin and they go to Philadelphia. And remember that they had had that plan to fake Benjamin's death and, and split the proceeds? They wanted to do that plan. They had it all set up, but Benjamin kind of gets cold feet and starts backing out, probably because Holmes just spent, you know, some time in jail yeah. and shit's seeming kind of real. Maybe he's been gone for a few days. Like when like someone who's manipulative is out of your life for a few days, I feel like you begin to see the light and you're like, yeah. why am I fucking with this person? Yeah, the fog kind of clears, like you're not listening to their constant bullshit right exactly you're not like emotionally dependent on whatever reward they're giving you to get that like dopamine release Mm -hmm. benjamin gets cold feet and he backs out of this whole plan holmes is like hey i get it i know you're scared let me just come over and we'll talk about it we don't have to do it i'm your friend i just want to talk i just want to hang out just chill out everything's cool we're just gonna relax he comes over and he brings over some alcohol And he's like, let's just have a drink, you know, just good times. Red flag. Holmes gets Benjamin super, super drunk. And Benjamin ends up dying. Holmes tries to make it look like an accident. He gave him so much chloroform that Benjamin just ended up literally dying from overdosing on chloroform. In an article for Philly Mag written in 2003 by Liz Spickle, Liz writes, quote, in his confession, Holmes said that he'd been planning to kill Benjamin from the moment that he met him seven years prior, and that everything he did with the man for seven years led up to the very moment that he killed him. Wow. Such a long-term investment, writes Holmes, furnishes a very striking illustration of the vagaries in which the human mind will, under certain circumstances, indulge. He compares the anticipation of Benjamin's murder to, quote, the seeking of buried treasure at the rainbow's end, end quote. Holmes writes in his confession that he went to 1316 Callow Hill and found Benjamin drunk and passed out as he had expected. Holmes had earlier forged a series of hurtful letters from Benjamin's wife, which caused Benjamin to start drinking which was all part of the plan. He bound Benjamin's hand and feet, and then he wrote, quote, I proceeded to burn him alive by saturating his clothing and his face with benzene and igniting it with a match. What the fuck? So horrible was this torture that in writing of it, I have been tempted to attribute his death to some humane means not with a wish to spare myself, but because I fear that it will not be believed that one could be so heartless and depraved, end quote. Jesus. 
So he got a guy super fucking drunk to the point where he was like passing out and then just lit him on fire. What's more fucked up is that he literally went to this guy's house and forged a bunch of letters from his wife to make him think that his wife was like leaving him. What? And so that got him really drunk. And then Holmes comes over with chloroform and like makes him pass out and then lights the guy on fire while he's still fucking alive. I can't. I don't I don't want to believe it either. I agree with that author that you just quoted. Like, I don't want to fucking believe that anyone could be capable of that. Because what you're describing That's to what me, Holmes said. That was in his confession. He said, like, when he confessed that he um had thought about just like pretending lying. Yeah, pretending. Oh, that, that was, it was a quote from yes, Holmes. Oh, pretending shit. that it was something else, but it wasn't. That he was like, I just you know, it's so fucked up that I didn't think people would believe me. But was he lying? I don't know. Yeah, but was he lying? You're right. Because he's already a crazy psychopath, sociopath. I don't know. I'm not a therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist. So I don't know what he would be classified as. But he's fucking nuts and off his rocker. There's a conspiracy aspect to the end of this story that I will tell you. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. I'm buckled in. I'm buckling back up. Now Holmes skips town with his 23-year-old wife. The problem with this... I love how he keeps saying that she's 23. That is a giant red flag, though. Like, right? I don't mean to be judgmental, but I'm going to be judgmental for a minute. If you're listening to this and you're like a 50-year-old murderer and, mm-hmm. you're, and you have a 23-year-old wife that you like met in a newspaper... Right. You're a red flag to me. So the insurance scam with Benjamin's body had a flaw in it because the insurance money was paid out to Benjamin's widowed wife. Holmes goes to Benjamin's wife and he convinces her to give him the money because he says that Benjamin still owed Holmes a bunch of money on that building that they built in Texas, the castle replica. Right. So the wife gives him the money. Holmes then, this is so fucked up. I'm getting so mad to even say this. In an act of what he says was just friendship to the widowed wife, Holmes says that he's going to take Benjamin's children to Indianapolis so that they can stay with their aunt. (sighs) No. And then he poisons the eight-year-old with cyanide and gassed the other two girls to death. What the fuck? Their bodies were found buried in a cellar. I, I just don't, I, it's so fucked up. I don't like, it's fucked. Okay. So remember that guy he met in jail, Marion, who he said he was going to do the insurance scam in exchange for him giving him like $500 to, for a lawyer or whatever. Right. The $10,000 scam where H.H. Holmes fakes his own death. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So Marion in 1894 is pissed because he didn't receive any money. For the scam. Oh. Or whatever. But I think Marion, you know, he's in prison. He's like, I fucking know this guy is a scammer. Right. I carried out my end of the deal. Why didn't he carry out his? Right? Like, I'm still rotting here in jail. Nothing's happened. Fuck this guy. He probably just took out a life insurance policy on me. And then as soon as I get out, he's going to kill me or he's going to fake my death or something. So he's pissed. And he goes and tells the police that Holmes has this scam that he planned and just like fucking runs his mouth and tells him everything. He snitched, basically. The police track down Holmes and they catch up to him in Boston on Marion's tip of where he is. And they arrest him for none other than an old horse thief charge from Texas. Wow. Which sounds like, you know, so, you know. Outlawish. Right? But, like, it's it doesn't seem like that big a deal compared to murder or whatever. But we've talked about on this podcast before that stealing someone's horse is really fucked up. I think it was you that said it's like stealing someone's car who's also their dog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's fucked. Yes, that is fucked. We talked about that in episode four, I think. The Superstition Mountains episode. Yes. He is charged for this old horse thief charge thing and he goes back to jail now while Holmes is in jail he becomes a tabloid sensation for killing Ben and this is where all of the stories start to come out and this is where everyone starts putting the pieces together and they're like hey he killed this guy he's in jail for it apparently or he's on charges for it he also has all these scams running and like look how many times he's been married and like we looked at this castle that he had in Chicago and there was like human remains there and even though he said that it like was uh for one reason what if it wasn't etc an article from 1894 that's in the newspaper it's like an old newspaper clipping the article is entitled gruesome find made in digging Holmes, about 25 years ago, who at that time conducted a drugstore at the corner of 53rd and Wallace Streets in Chicago, when he was arrested and placed on trial, he confessed that he had murdered a score or more of persons in order to collect life insurance. His terrible crimes were a shock to the whole country. During his testimony, he admitted that he had killed one woman and buried her about 12 miles east of Moments, Illinois. Later, Dr. Schrantz of Moments went to see him in prison and asked him to tell him where he had buried the woman, that she might be given a decent burial. This he refused to do unless he was paid $50. Later, Holmes was hung for his crimes. What a, just like adding to insult to injury, just like you've already been caught, you're already in jail. Like, what are you going to do with $50 in jail? Get more ramen noodles? I don't know. Well... Hold on to that thought. Oh. Because we will get there. Holmes has this trial, and this is a huge tabloid sensation. Everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's really fucked up. Because back then, remember body snatching and like anatomizing a body after death was like really seen as like this cruel, unusual torture. Like right. serial killer shit, right? Like we just think of that as like normal serial killer shit now, but like back then he was the pioneer of serial killer shit. Right. People had never fucking seen something like this before. Like a murder castle that's fucking terrifying well i also think probably people were more religious then than they are now and so the you probably there was probably some pervasive idea that you needed all of your organs or you needed like a burial proper burial to get to heaven whereas now i think people are more or open to the idea of donating their body to science or right. donating your body to a body farm or getting cremated whereas back then it was probably like more of a big deal Holmes represents himself at his own trial and of course he does yeah like all fucking crazy people yeah do. like Ted didn't Ted Bundy try to do that or something probably I can't remember but I just know that like anyone who represents themselves in trial especially for something like murder is like making a bad decision right he represents himself at his trial and during his trial he is really charming People say that he's really smart. He has this, quote, remarkable familiarity with the law, end quote. And according to one paper at the time, they believe that perhaps he was framed. Wow. So as the body count starts to get higher and higher, the more investigation the police are doing into Holmes's case... Holmes is still in jail in Philadelphia, and he refuses to admit to any murder. He only admits to the insurance fraud. He denies killing anyone. He says that everything else is unrelated and that the police are just trying to pin all this stuff on him so that they can, you know, like solve a bunch of their cases, even though it's oh, not him. Oh, clever. That's right. a clever thing to say because it makes you think, especially if 
people in like small towns and even big towns like have a distrust of law enforcement right. they're gonna be like oh yeah of course they want to pin right. the blame on this like crazy dude that's already in jail yeah and he's so charming and he's so intelligent that people really believe him they're like this doesn't seem like you know someone who's unhinged unfortunately the jury all unanimously decides to sentence him to death by hanging after he's sentenced to death by hanging while he's in jail awaiting his execution, in 1896, he starts changing his tune. He starts telling people that he's turning into the devil. Oh. He says that even his face is beginning to look demonic. And he confesses to 27 murders. But all of his confessions have different numbers. And all of his confessions are contradicting each other. What do you mean? So in some of his confessions, he admits to killing people who were still verifiably alive at the oh. time. So that seems kind of strange. Yeah, that's sketch. Right? That's He's such a sketchy guy that even when he finally confesses, you're like, well, I can't believe him. Right. A Philadelphia newspaper prints what they say is Holmes's confession. And they run three entire newspaper pages where Holmes is writing, quote, blood-curdling atrocities with an abandon that simply appalls one, end quote. He claims in these confessions that he killed 27 people and he was preparing to kill another six on top of that. He wrote, quote, I was born with the very devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer no more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. Oh, fuck you. Nor the ambition of an intellectual man to be great. The inclination to murder came to me as naturally as the inspiration to do right comes to the majority of persons. End quote. His dying wish was to be buried in a coffin that was lined in concrete, ironically, to prevent grave robbers from stealing and dissecting his body. Uh-huh. I hope, I hope they just, like, donated his body to science. On May 7th, 1896, he was hung. And again, the Philly Mag writer Liz Spickall wrote in her 2003 article, quote, the hanging was pandemonium. A certain number of tickets were granted for the execution, but twice that many people got inside by sheer force. When Holmes began to speak, as he was standing on the gallows, the crowd became silent. Holmes made a brief statement denying that he'd killed Benjamin or his children. Even the executioner's hands trembled as Holmes reassured him, saying, charming as always, quote, take your time, old man, end quote. Even Holmes's execution didn't go as planned. After the floor was dropped beneath him, his neck didn't snap to kill him instantly. Oh my God. Instead, the fall broke his neck and he laid twitching for about 20 minutes before he was pronounced dead no. in front of that crowd of people as they watched. And after his death, strange things began to happen to everyone who was involved with the H.H. H. Holmes case. 
The castle was remodeled as an attraction because he had become so famous in jail, and it was named the Holmes Horror Castle. But that castle burned to the ground before its opening after Holmes had been hung. Oh, shit. Other strange things that happened were the man who told the police about Holmes's illegal dealings, Marion, remember him? Yeah. He was shot by a Chicago police officer. Why? We don't know. He just got shot. He, well, I mean, assumably he was doing some sort of crime, but he was shot by a police officer. Wow. The warden at the prison where Holmes had been held committed suicide. Okay, that's eerie. The office of the DA, the district attorney who argued the famous case, caught on fire. What the fuck? The former caretaker of the castle, the murder castle, who is said to know the most about the castle and Holmes, died by suicide in 1914. In his suicide note, he had one sentence that read, quote, I could not sleep, end quote. No, that's spooky as shit. That's haunted as shit. In 1895, the murder castle was gutted by a fire and the remaining structure was torn down in 1938. Today, the site that had been where the murder castle existed is turned into a post office, which is 100% fucking haunted. Look at this shit. Why would you turn it into a post office? To get rid of evidence? I don't know. That's fucking weird, right? That's fucking weird. Here is a newspaper article that shows the caretaker after he committed suicide. So this article says it was published to the Standard Magazine Spectre in Ogden, Utah. And the title of the article is Hounded to Death by Ghosts of Castle He Built. Memory of trap doors, secret elevators, and stove, wherein bodies of women were burned, haunted man. So the second, th- the thing that you're about to read, the second newspaper article, is um, an account by a journalist who's talking about the execution. And the execution is weird and haunted as fuck, so I want you to go ahead and read that. I know it's long. So the article is entitled, The Hanging of Holmes. The notorious criminal met his death fearlessly, died protesting his innocence. The article reads, quote, Just before plunging into eternity, he declared he had no hand in the killing of Benjamin F. Patizel or any of the Patizel family. Philadelphia, May 8, Herman W. Mudgett, alias H.H. H. Holmes, was hanged in Moyamensung prison shortly after 10 o'clock yesterday morning. It was fully a half hour later before he was officially pronounced dead. A half minute before he was shot into eternity, he made this declaration to the solemn assemblage gathered about the scaffold. Quote, Gentlemen, I have very few words to say. In fact, I would make no remarks at this time, except that by not speaking, I would appear to acquiesce in my execution. I only wish to say that the extent of my wrongdoing in taking human life consisted in the death of two women, they having died at my hands as the result of criminal operations. I wish to also state here, so that there can be no chance of misunderstanding hereafter, that I am not guilty of taking the lives of any of the Petizel family, the three children and Benjamin the father, of whose death I was convicted and for which I am today to be hanged. That is all I have to say. The two women referred to are Mrs. Gertrude Connor and Miss Emily Sigrand. 
He spent the last day of his life uneventfully. During part of Wednesday, Father Daly of the Church of the Annunciation visited him and said prayers. In the afternoon, his lawyer, Samuel P. Rattan, called for a short time. The balance of the day, Holmes occupied reading his Bible and other devotional books. Father Daly came again early in the evening and remained until 10.15 o'clock. After the priest left Holmes, wrote letters of farewell until midnight. It is understood that these communications were addressed to his wives, the one in Gilminton, New Hampshire, and Georgiana Yoke of Franklin, Indiana, the third wife whose testimony did so much to bring about his execution. <laughs> he also penned a letter of instructions to Mr. Rattan, his counsel. Absolute secrecy is maintained regarding the contents of these letters. At midnight, he undressed and went to bed under the watchful eye of Keeper George Weaver, who was fearful lest the man in the cell beyond might commit suicide. But apparently nothing was further from the abnormal mind of his charge. Holmes slept the sleep of an innocent babe, and at six o'clock in the morning it required two calls to arouse him. At seven o'clock, Father Daly came with Father McPake of the same church. Holmes received them silently and knelt with them while they went over the communion service. According to the rites of the Catholic Church to which, he, to which he had been converted during the past week. The service once over, his breakfast of eggs, dry toast, and coffee was brought in, and he fell to with an apparent relish. The only sign of defiance he made just after the priest left. Am I nervous? he demanded, stretching his hands out to the keeper weaver. They were steady as a rock. Holmes smiled and retired to the rear of his cell declaring that he had never in his life felt better than he did then. Soon after this, the priests returned and remained with him until the end. At two minutes after 10 o'clock, the procession to the gallows was begun, headed by prison superintendent Perkins and assistant superintendent Richardson. Fifty or more men with uncovered heads made up the solemn parade and halted before the scaffold. The platform, which stood eight feet above the levels of the floor, was approached by a flight of steps. The witnesses passed around the structure and faced it. An awful silence followed for a moment. Then a murmur of sound arose from the other side of the scaffold. It was the prayers of the priests who were escorting Holmes to the gallows. A moment later, they mounted the steps and came into view. Holmes, a crucifix clasped in both hands, upon which his eyes were fixed, walked steadily between them. There was a pause after they had reached the deadly trap, and then Holmes stepped forward and pronounced his valedictory. It took him exactly two minutes to pronounce what nearly every man there regarded as the last of a series of lies. Father Daly is the only man who knows whether or not the man went into eternity with a lie on his lips, for to him Holmes, either Wednesday night or yesterday, made a final confession but that is buried in the secrets of the church. After shaking hands with his lawyer, who then left the scaffold, Holmes turned and bade farewell to superintendents Perkins and Richardson and the priests. Then he and the two clergymen knelt in silent prayer. They arose at 10, 12 o'clock. In another half minute, the end had come. The execution was entirely successful. After the body had been cut down, it was placed in a plain pine box, the bottom and sides of which were covered with cement. This was done so that the material will harden about the corpse and practically fasten it to the box, preventing any attempts to steal the body. 
The body was taken to Mount Moriah Cemetery and placed in a vault, which was guarded all night. Thence it will be taken in a few days and buried in another cemetery privately. Both Mrs. Petizel and her lawyer place no belief in Holmes' last declaration of innocence. Lawyer Rattan believes he died an innocent man. It will be seen that the words are well chosen. They were equally well pronounced. The voice never quavered, and the hands clasped, clasped on the dark railing of the scaffold did not tremble. The nerve which had all along characterized this most marvelous of assassins had not deserted him to the very end. As the last syllable fell from his pallid lips, he turned to his attorney. Clasping the shaking right hand of the young lawyer in his own grasp, firm even at that terrible moment, he laid his left on the other man's shoulder and, gazing straight into his eyes, uttered in a loud voice, Goodbye. Then he carefully buttoned his coat, nodded to the sheriff, and an instant later shot to his death. He was undoubtedly the most stolid of any in that assemblage of fifty-odd men. The pallor of his face was no deeper than the ordinary prison bleach, and he stood erect, gazing steadfastly before him until the horrible black cap shut out his last look at earthly things. Basically, he's saying that he was innocent. Yeah. And um, that he didn't do what, all the things that he was pinned for. But I can't reiterate enough, like, how big of a case this was. This was, like, a huge deal to a bunch of people. I mean, just the fact that the castle burned down and they created an amusement out of it that said, uh, that it called it, like, the haunted horror castle. You know, I mean, this was a place where people were, like, supposedly murdered. Yeah. And they're, like, literally making, like, it a place where you can pay money to go tour it and be like, wow, this is fucked up. So it sounds like the only things he admitted to, he says, I admit to the deaths of two women which happened during a criminal enterprise so it sounds like he is saying he performed illegal abortions on two women who didn't make it right yes. that's all he's admitting to on the scaffold to his hanging but it's a contradiction because he had previously admitted to a bunch of deaths and was like proud of it right so remember that article that was like oh i had the devil in me and all yeah. this stuff some people say that perhaps that he didn't write that, that that oh. newspaper, which was the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, was just trying to sell papers. Oh. And like, who's going to fight them? Like, who's going to be like, no, 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 he didn't say that to you. Right. It's like People Magazine or whatever, or like a tabloid right. that publishes something being like, uh, a, a source close to the Kardashians mm -hmm. says that um, Kanye West threw a foot long subway sandwich in north's north's face it's right. like okay yes. but did who is the secret source if you don't know the name then like how can you say that that happened yeah so i i see what they're saying there's they're saying maybe he never made this confession at all right and as we get into the conspiracy here in a second um you'll you'll come to find out a little bit more about those findings i'm ready so holmes had been convicted and sentenced to death for only one murder um that was his benjamin remember the guy that he said he like lit on fire yeah it was later confirmed that he had killed three of benjamin's children as well as three mistresses the child of one of the mistresses and the sister of Minnie Williams because police found evidence of Minnie and her sister in the incinerator. Oh, see, I knew it. I knew. He said he was glass blowing. Mm -hmm. That is a common cover for 
disintegrating the bones of your enemies. But all they found was one of the sisters, like gold watches and like another piece of jewelry from the other sister. Yeah, I still so I keep think that he, in mind. Okay. So Holmes was executed May 7th. 1896 it was only nine days before his 35th birthday i didn't realize he was so young i thought this was like a 50 year old man just like i don't know fucking secretaries (laughs) i mean it's not better that he was 35 i just had a preconceived notion in my mind i just called that one girl his 23 year old wife because i didn't know like what else to call her look it's still a red flag she had like a million names yeah like (laughs) it's still a red flag if i am like meeting a guy on a dating app and then I find out that his like preferences for age are set to like, like early 20 yeah 18 through 25 to me that's too much of a red flag and I will not go on a second date right ladies ask the people you're on a date with what their preferences what their are. preferences are what is their tinder set to what is their hinge set to what is their bumble set to and if it's like significantly younger than them or like someone who's not even old enough to drink or someone who like come on that's a red flag you got to get out of there yeah I'm sorry people are bad yeah (laughs) if this podcast has taught me anything it's that there's a lot of haunted people out there that are looking to date people much younger than them so here's where this shit gets fucking crazy while he was in jail while he was on trial all during this time there were a lot of people who believed he was innocent he had convinced a ton of people that he was innocent Now, how did he convince him that he was innocent despite all the evidence? Well, he tells all of people that all of those like extra rooms in his like quote murder castle were just to store extra furniture that he had bought on credit and that he was hiding that that stuff. And so he was trying to make it so that like no one could ever find things. Okay, so he built a bunch of trap doors to hide sofas. He said that, like, the police and papers had said that, like, oh, this was an asphyxiation room where he would gas people. But he's like, no, 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 none of that was true. All of that was just people trying to sell papers or, like, you know, trying to frame this or whatever. Okay. And he had been so convincing, apparently, that his second wife even believed that he was innocent, despite having seen all of the evidence that was brought forward in the court. He told everyone that everything was just about money, not killing, that he, like, had never planned to murder anyone, et cetera, et cetera. And that the tabloids had just sensationalized all of it and painted him to be this monster because they were just trying to sell papers. Okay. He said that he wasn't a monster. He was just a fraud. And he said that it was all just a big misunderstanding. Now, here are the theories. Theory number one is this exaggeration or God complex. So this theory is basically that Holmes made up a lot of his story for ulterior motives, like money or fame, that he was willing to paint himself whichever way would benefit him the most in that moment. And evidence to support that theory is his biography. Who the fuck writes a biography unless they want to be famous? Right. He wrote an autobiography? Yeah, while he was in jail. Oh. Even his confessions were somewhat bullshit, like riddled with these false claims. And they were funded by one of the richest men in America that time, the Hearst Castle guy. So perhaps he just did whatever he needed to do to get paid. The second theory is a little more interesting. So Jack the Ripper could have been somehow him. Okay, this is the one I think I've heard before, but I don't know any of the details. I just know that like, in reading up on Jack the Ripper where like people say like, oh, I think it was this guy, I think it was this guy. I I recall seeing the name H.H. Holmes. 
So according to an article for Biography.com, Jeff Mudgett, who is a lawyer and a former commander in the U.S. Naval Reserve, claims that his great-great-grandfather, H.H. Holmes, was in fact Jack the Ripper. Mudgett bases these assertions on the writings in two diaries that he inherited from Holmes, which detail Holmes' participation in the murder and mutilation of numerous prostitutes in London. Mudgett also claims that the man who died in the public hanging that took place on May 7th, 1896 was not Oh, Holmes, shit. But rather a man that Holmes tricked into going to the gallows in his place. And maybe he like made him grow similar facial hair. Wait, me okay, all right, wait a minute. See? The synapses oh, in my brain are connecting. Hold on, hold on, let me finish. Okay. So this makes sense why he would want the cement coffin and also why bad stuff happened to everyone who was involved with the case afterwards. Uh, it also makes sense why his lawyer said that he was innocent as well till the very end because perhaps he had facilitated the whole thing and was trying not to get murdered by Holmes. It gives a whole new eeriness to that innocent speech at the gallows too, right? Where like if he had replaced someone else with an innocent man who was making the speech that's like, I'm telling you guys, I am an innocent man. I didn't do any of this. <gasps> So creepy. It also could explain why the executioner was nervous. Perhaps he was in on it too and knew that he was hanging oh, someone who wow. wasn't Holmes. The synapses in my brain are connecting because remember, we've spent so much time talking about his weird walrus mustache and like his long sideburns and his bowler hat. Like it's really hard to know what someone looks like when they have a significant amount of facial hair. Right, exactly. Right. So like if you have two guys that are, you know, similar skin tones, similar hair color, similar height, similar build, mm -hmm. and you have them grow the same kind of facial hair, I don't know that I would be able to tell them apart. And I think part of that is because I'm pretty sure I have face blindness and I can never tell anyone apart. I can't remember. Okay. Who's that guy's name? Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And Matt Damon. They look the same. They're the same. It's the same person. They're the same person. Yeah. No, that's just a fact. That's a fact. Right. Um, ben Affleck with a beard just looks like any dude in Boston. You know what I mean? So like if you had two people, especially like in pre-DNA times, in right. pre-forensics times, you just have two dudes that look similar, like they have the same facial hair. You can't really tell what someone's facial features are mm -hmm. underneath that. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me is what I'm saying. Well, it was Matt I Damon is what that. I'm saying. <laughs> I love that theory that it's like a conspiracy and that he actually didn't get hung because it would make sense why he's giving all of these outrageous claims to all these newspapers just trying to get as much money as he can. And then right. he can pay his lawyer or pay whoever it is that he needs to pay in order to pull this off. And if we want to go one deeper, like what if whoever was being hung that day, like wasn't actually getting hung like what if like they had you know some weird uh like fake head on or something <laughs> like that no because think about it they said that the execution was super yeah. weird and that like they he just like hung there for 20 minutes like right. twitching right and then afterwards they're like oh no no cement coffin and he's gonna be taken away to this like and we're gonna place. guard it yeah we're, we're gonna all guard it and then afterwards he's gonna move somewhere else i mean it's weird it is weird also the arsons that occurred after the yes. fact. However, that can go both ways, right? Because if you believe he was an innocent man framed by the police and hung to his death, like, oh, boo-hoo, he was just a scammer yeah. who, like, dated a 23-year-old and, like, also had a, a lot of wives at the same time, like... Mm -hmm. 
that's a crime, but it's not murder, right? So like you feel sorry for him that he's murdered. Then the police could go burn down all of those places to cover up the fact that they just pinned everything on an innocent man, quote unquote, right? Or if you think that he convinced someone else to hang himself, to like poses him and then get hanged, he could be the one going to all these different places and burning down houses and buildings because that's something he did while he was quote unquote alive. Right. Also, do we know whether or not he took out an insurance policy on himself? Because that's even more of an incentive to fake your own death. We already know he tried to fake his own death a couple of times, right? Right. So he had, yeah, he did take out an insurance policy on his death. Remember with Marion? Yeah, like he yeah. He took out an, a policy. Right. But did he like do a new one and was like had his wife in on it? The Could wife that thought he was innocent. And right. Be like, I'm going to we're going to get this person to pretend to be me. Get hanged. You collect the insurance policy. We split it. We go run run into the forests of Vermont and we live in a underground log cabin <laughs> and live well, off and the land. And then too, remember how the paper says that he like wrote a bunch of letters to his all his wives and then he yeah. wrote like something to his his uh, attorney that was like right. guarded in secrecy. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a fucking crazy serial killer who doesn't give a shit about anyone and just marries women for money, why would you be spending your last moments writing letters to them unless you were doing you were in on a scam? Like you're right. like, "Hey, I'm sending you money here, like be here to pick it up or whatever." Like this the, the layers go so deep with this guy that I could totally see him just being having like crooked ends with the police, like just paying off all these different people or doing all this weird stuff. And then maybe that's why all of the, the you know, the district attorney's office caught fire afterwards because maybe he was in on it, too. Yeah. Like, who knows that the person who went to the gallows was actually a person. He faked his own death, got on a ship to Europe and continued murdering as Jack the Ripper. We just right. don't know. Right. Who's to say? Yeah, and the executioner was like all shaking and every everything. Like all those wow. people could have been on it. And then the whole thing about like the former caretaker of the castle like committing suicide later and just having the note that says I could not sleep. Also, okay, we could spin off into a million conspiracy theories about what that one sentence means. Like what if he kept seeing the ghosts of right. all the murder victims and so he literally could not sleep? Well, I think that's what it's meant to look like. But we're talking about a man who may or may not have like got went into his best friend's house and planted a bunch of letters that said he was fighting with his wife so he would drink himself to death, essentially. Wow. Like that's the thing is like Holmes is saying, no, 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 what everyone believes about me isn't true. But like he was also known to fucking scam people. So like who the fuck knows how deep the shit goes? I don't Wild. Know. Wild. Right? Okay. So that was my theory number two. And the last theory was he was just a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> Solid theory. I'm going with that. So of those three theories, and number two is that he was Jack the Ripper uh, and also turned into he was... Look, number two and a half is he put a my size Barbie up there to get hung instead of himself. Theory number three and a half is it was Mark Wahlberg. Theory number five and a half. Well, that is my story on H.H. Holmes. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Two parts. What, what? I loved that because like I told you, this entire time, I like did, really didn't know anything about H.H. H. Holmes. And I feel like our audience is going to be, a lot of our audience is going to be similar to me, which is you've probably heard the name before. I had heard that name before. I had kind of heard about some tenuous connection with Jack the Ripper. But I, I for some reason, I just figured like, 
it's like a totally blown out of pro- I had it in my head like this is a blown out of proportion story or this is a fictional person that was made up so to learn that he was real and the fictional part could be like you know whether what crimes he was actually guilty of but like to hear all of that laid out over these two episodes was really fucking mind-blowing so thank you I'm sorry if you have a murder castle and an underground incinerator but that's, but that's part of the thing his thing is he's like i didn't have those yeah and now the castle's fucking gone so you can't even go see it oh and i bet you he's saying the incinerator is for like the fetuses that he aborted probably well he can he says it's for glass blowing yeah well that's a fucking that. lie where but- are the vases made by hh H. Holmes? they don't exist because if they did they would be selling for millions of dollars right now on ebay but he was also a scammer so maybe he just said oh yeah it's for my glass blowing business when in reality like he you know just wanted to collect money for a business that didn't exist from investors oh okay and then also like deepening this too is that the stuff the evidence that the police pinned on him for the murder of those other two women they they just found their jewelry in his incinerator so they could have planted that there yeah they could have planted it or he could have just robbed them or he could it could have all been a setup because they found just like a bucket of bones there like animal yeah. bones and stuff i don't know my whole thing is is that i'm just trying to fuck everyone up comment if you're fucked up. i'm fucked up i'm fucked up i drank so much coffee i need to poop and <laughs> i feel crazy because this is a fucked up story we are currently in our office is basically like a room with no i feel like walls. i'm in a fish tank right now i ever, know me too ever a terrarium since, yeah Ever since you said terrarium and we talked about the simulation, now I'm like, are we? Dude, have you seen that fucking movie that, what is that movie with the guy from the Facebook movie where they like live in this terrarium? It's so fucked up, dude. Let me look it up what it's called. Anyways, but do our sign off. Vivarium. Vivarium? I don't know. Don't ruin it for me because I don't think I've seen it. it. Oh my God, you guys. I'm telling you guys this. If you want to get fucked up, watch this movie called Vivarium. I think it's Jesse Eisenberg, right? He's the guy. Oh, yeah. You know what? I have a movie recommendation. It's so fucking creepy. Like, I think about it at night and I get scared. Hold on one second. I have a movie recommendation. I just got to remember what the title is. Give me a second. Okay. Rent-A-Pal. If you guys have Hulu, go watch Rent-A-Pal. It is was haunted and i know i watch like everything right like i'll sit down if i like have time i'll sit down play the sims put something on in the background on netflix or hulu this one i stopped playing the sims and i paid attention to the entire movie it was haunted wow wow it doesn't sound haunted it sounds great i'd love to do that yeah watch (laughs) it and tell me if you think it's haunted too i thought it was haunted brb gotta grow a beard so that i can date j-lo (laughs) <laughs> Bye. Bye.